We are back to uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll begin just by reading Matthew 6 and then we'll uh, get into the, the sermon itself. So let's stand together in the honor of reading God's Word. We're going to read this prayer from the Lord, uh, this sort of model prayer, and then, and then we'll, we'll uh, break it down uh, from there. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verses 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, this is our prayer today, Father. We pray that your name would be hallowed and that that hallowing, that holifying of your name would begin here among us. That we right now in, in, with our voices and in our hearts would be lifting you up as holy. And Father, I pray that your kingdom would come. I rejoice that it has come among us. That Father, we were once in the kingdom of darkness and you have put us in the kingdom of your son. And Father, we pray for that kingdom to advance. We pray, Father, that kingdom would advance in, in our lives, in our hearts, in our homes in our community, in our church. And Father, we pray that your will would be done. Whether it's the will we know nothing about, just the story you have planned for our life that we may never know, or the plentiful will that you have laid out for us in your word, Father. I pray today, God, that as we're here, we know. We know how we should act. We know how we should think. We know what we should say. We know what we should do. I pray, Father, that we would do those things. I pray that we would do your will today, that we would glorify you. Father, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we've been looking uh, at what the Bible teaches us about prayer now for uh, just at least a few weeks. Uh, and now we've walked up to the to the Lord's Prayer, and as we've begun to walk through the Lord's Prayer, we've gotten out of this third request. As you're, as you're moving down, you'll see this in verse 10. The second half of verse 10 is what we've been looking at. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've spent four weeks trying to understand what does that mean? What does it mean? Because if Jesus says to pray these things, we have to know what we're asking for. When we pray them. So when we say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is what is that prayer asking for? What is that prayer calling on God to uh, to give us? And, and one of the reasons we've spent so much time looking at this particular request uh, is because Christians have such a messed up view of the will of God just in general. So if we come into this prayer with that messed up view of God's will, it's going to color what we think we're asking God to do. Either we're not going to understand what we're asking God to do because our understanding of God's will just, just doesn't fit with even asking God to, to do his will in this way, uh, or we're going to have just a, a wrong view in what we think we're wanting God to do. Because when it comes to, when it comes to the will of God, often we either have a, what, what we could call a non-biblical view, which is something that's not in the Bible, or we've got just a straight up unbiblical view, meaning what we think is actually contrary to what the Bible teaches. It's again, not that we avoid the subject of God's will. Christians like to talk about God's will. Uh, we love to talk about the will of God. 
you know, what is God's will? You know, what is God's will for my life? What's God's will in this? I want to do God's will. But it's something that we often unnecessarily shroud in mystery. Even, even more than that, we, we, so what we do is we treat it like, like God's will is hidden. And we've got to try and, and figure it out. Even, even worse than that, not that God's will is, is necessarily even just hidden. We, we, we treat it not that, that we just can't know it. We, we treat God's will as if God is hiding it from us, right? So we're wanting to do God's will. And the reason we can't is because God is hiding his will behind this, like some sort of divine shell game, right? Like, which is the right choice for you and your family. I know you want to do what's right, uh, but it's actually, I think this will glorify you. Wrong. Rest of your life ruined. Uh, and so then you come with that idea to this to this understanding of your will be done and it can be a, a very confusing thing to have to pray and the, the reality is the uh, god's will couldn't be further from that couldn't be further from that idea of you know this hidden secret mysterious will of god what we've learned about praying for god's will to be done uh in these last four weeks is we've seen that one god's will is knowable and not only is god's will knowable god's will is doable Right? So it's not even just that you can know it. You, as children of God, can do His will. In fact, it's knowable so that it will be doable. In fact, the Bible tells us that God equips His people to do His will. So we saw that God teaches His will to His people, that God opens our eyes so that we might see His will, that He grows our hearts so that we would want uh, to do his will. We're going to see more about that today, that he protects us from error when we're outside his will, that he afflicts us uh, if we are not doing his will to drive us back to his will, uh, and that he even uses others to help us know his will. So if, so if God does all of those things so that we might know what his will is, and so that we might be able to do what his will is, it's not surprising then that when it comes to God's will, and what we're praying for, for your will be done, it's not surprising that God's people do God's will. And, and I mean, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about doing the will of God. Okay, so we're praying for God's will to be done. Well, one of the things we can do in that is when we're praying your will be done, we're praying, help me to do what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Help me to be the husband I know I'm supposed to be. Help me to be the father I know I'm supposed to be. Help me to be the friend, the mother, the sister, the whatever. Help me to be, help me to do what I know. Right? We're getting out of that pietistic idea of we're just sitting around contemplating God's navel until there's some sort of grand epiphany that shows us what his will is for our life. And we're realizing that we know what we are supposed to do. We know what God's will is for us as his image bearers. Today we're going to talk about doing God's will. And the first thing we're going to see is God's people do God's will. We've seen already that we don't need to know God's will, that rather than being a mystery, uh, that God's will is one of the, 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 the things that we can see and do. In fact, knowing and doing God's will is one of the things that defines us as God's people. Doing the will of God is one of the things that shows we are indeed God's people. So when we say, you know, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, his will is, is not something that for us as Christians is supposed to just be a future hope for us. It is expected that we will do his will, not just in the sweet by and by, right? 
This is not praying, Lord, your will be done. And I know I'm never going to do it till I get to Beulah land. That's not what it's praying. Uh, It is saying, it is expected that God's people do his will, that they obey his word and mimic his son. That's expected of the people of God. And that's expected for us to do that now. Why? Because salvation is real. It's genuine. And it changes us. It changes how we live. It affects how we act. And one of the ways it affects us is that when God changes our hearts, he changes our actions. And we go from people who not only didn't care about God's will, but also weren't doing it, to now being people that not only care about God's will and doing it, but actually do do God's will. In fact, doing God's will is always defined the people of God. In the Old Testament, you'll get Ezra chapter 10, verse 11. Give you a second to turn there. Ezra chapter 10, verse 11. Uh, You've got the people returning from exile, right? Okay, we want to start you guys back off on the right foot. What should you be as the people of God? Okay, we've got all this mess up from these previous generations to drive us out of the land. Here we are back. What is going to define you as the people? Ezra 10, 11. Now then, make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. It's simple. If you're the people of God, what do you do? Confess your sins. Confess what led to exile to begin with. And confess that even as he's brought you back from exile, you've probably also committed some sins on the way back, even from exile. And then what? Then do his will. In this case, they knew what the will of God was. This wasn't a mystery to them. If you want to read the rest of Ezra 10, his will for them was very clear. Quit marrying foreign women. <laughs> that was the, it's not like when he said, do his will, the, 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 the people went, oh, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to do? You know, what is your will, oh God? He's like, I told you, quit marrying a bunch of people that worship other gods. Right? Quit marrying, quit marrying people who are, who are idol worshipers. And the same thing's true of us. As God's people, we know God's will. If I were to tell you the the truth, if I were to go to you and say, hey, you need to do God's will. As if I were some sort of grand prophet that had insight into your heart, right? And I just walked walked up to Clay. And I I do this a lot. I just walk up to him and say random things to him just to throw him off. But let's say I walked up to him. I was like, Clay, you need to do God's will. The truth is, if I said that, he would probably have a moment of recognition of, well, I know what God's will is that that I haven't been doing. Or that I need to do more of. If I were to come to any of you and say, you need to do God's will. The truth is, we know plenty of stuff that we need to be doing. We don't need, we don't need another fortune cookie to be pulled out. To add to the plethora of things. We already know. We already know what we should be doing. And here when he comes to them and says, hey, do his will. Confess your sins to the God of your fathers. And do his will. It wasn't a mystery to them. God had revealed his will to them. They knew what they were supposed to do. And if we're going to be God's people, one of the things that defines us as God's people isn't just having good confessions of faith. It's not just having strong theology. It's being a people who obey the Lord in everything. It's people who do his will, who confess their sin, but then just don't bathe in that confession. Just sit, Sit in that. They confess and they get to work. They confess and they do what was right. Listen, if you struggle with a certain sin, confess it. 
If there's a, if there's a thing that comes to you and you know how God wants you to live as a, as a husband and you're not doing that, then you're having to confess it over and over and over. Well, get out of just the confession loop and go from confession to obedience. Do his will. There's no great victory in just doing the confessing part. God's people don't just confess. They do. If you're a parent who looks at your children and thinks, man, oh, time's ticking by. I really want to change this and I want to change that and we need to change this. And, but all this other stuff gets in the way. Stop. Confess. And do his will now. Don't hold off. Because you know what's going to happen in 10 more years? You're going to look back and say, we really intended. And don't you remember 10 years ago, we confessed this? And we yeah, yeah, they do it. Do what you need to do as parents. Husbands and wives, spouses, don't just talk about, oh, I'm going to fix this with our marriage and that with our marriage. Do it. Confess. And then do, because that's what defines you as the people of God. Not just knowing how your marriage needs to be fixed. Not just knowing how your family needs to be fixed. Not just knowing what you should be as a husband or a wife or whatever, or children. Not just knowing, hey, I need to be a better child. I need to quit talking back to my parents. Confess that and quit talking back. Honor them. Because God's people don't just know God's will, they do his will. So confess and do. That's defined God's people from the very beginning. And the whole idea that, that we could be Christians and yet not do God's will is foreign to God's own definition of salvation. The idea that we could be Christians and just sort of be it and have our thoughts right, but not have our lives right is not what God describes when he describes how it looks when he saves people. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, passage we know very well. Ezekiel 36, go down to verse 26. What does the Lord say? And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So there's the change of desires, the change of, 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 uh, of passions. Now we've got a new heart. We desire these things, but look what he's also going to cause us to do. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. God's people are defined by obedience to God's will because when God makes you his people, he causes you to do his will. So the idea that you might be a people of God and not be obeying the will of God is contrary to God's own definition of what salvation looks like. He gives you a new heart. He puts his spirit within you and he is the one who causes you to walk in his statutes and to be careful to obey his rules. He does that. So God saves us and causes those he saves to walk in his will. God's people do God's will. And so from the very beginning, when we're praying, your will be done. We're praying that God's people would act like God's people. So when we pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that prayer is God, help those of us who are your people to act like your people. To confess and to do. 
Now, if we have a misunderstanding of what salvation is, if we, if we think God's will is, uh, is what saves us instead of what, uh, if we think doing God's will is what saves us instead of what happens after we're saved, then, then God's will might seem like a burden to us. Or if we think that God's will is this mystery that we're constantly trying to figure out, the idea that we've got to do God's will uh, would be discouraging uh, to that, even to the point on burdensome. I've got to figure out again, so I've got to do God's will. I don't even know what his will is and all this. But that's not how the Bible says we should feel about the will of God. Doing God's will is not a burden to the Christian. Doing God's will is a blessing. Again, since again, we know God's will. So it's right there in front of us. The, 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 the doing of God's will is really useful in the, the Christian life because you can look at it and say, do I do that or do I not? And when I say, when I say God's people do God's will, you, you don't have to sit back and go, well, do I do his will or not? You can see his will in his word and you can ask, am I being obedient or am I not? Am I, am, I, am I walking in his way? Am I being careful to obey his rules or am I not? So let, let's see what doing God's will can teach us. Why the, the doing of God's will is so important for the Christian, even, even a blessing for the Christian. That, that when you see yourself, because again, you doing God's will is not because of how great you are, but how great God's salvation is in you. That he doesn't just change your desires, he actually changes your life. So when you're able to do, when you're doing God's will, the glory goes back to what God has done. So why, what do we, when we see doing God's will, what do we see in the Christian life? And how do we see that as a blessing? Uh, That as the people of God do his will, what do we see? Well, the first thing we can see in this is that doing God's will shows you're in the family of God. It shows that you're genuinely in the family of God. We see this Matthew chapter 12, verse 50. Jesus tells us this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, he says, Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So how do you know you're in the, how do you know that you are brothers with Christ, sisters with Christ, mothers to Christ? How do you know this? What does that look like? How do, what does it look like to be in the family of God? He says, it's those who do the will of the father. So, so when, we, when you and I do the will of God, we're not being super Christians. We're not going to a next level of, of sanctification. We're just being Christians. We're doing what those in Christ's family do. It's just to their natural way of life in him. Because if God has done what he says in Ezekiel 36, he's going to do, then us doing God's will, us walking in his word, us being careful, careful to obey his rules, is not something uh, that is some second le- uh, level Christianity. It's just what you do when you are saved. It is what you do when you are indeed in the family of God. How can you and I know that we are truly saved? How can I know that I'm really a Christian? Well, do God's will. Because what will happen is either you will try to do God's will, try to do what you see laid out in scripture, and you'll hate it and stop it won't be from a changed heart. It'll, it'll be you trying to earn your way into heaven or trying to please some other God that you've thrown at, whatever it is. You'll try and do it in your own strength. And because you don't have a new heart, because the spirit isn't within you, you're going to hate it in the end. And you'll stop because God hasn't really saved you. Or you will try to do God's will. 
and do it, you'll succeed and you'll love your success in it. You'll be excited that you're doing the things that you read about in the scripture. You'll be excited to know that you're living out as an image bearer of God, like you were created to be. You'll love it because you are truly in the family of God. So when we pray, your will be done, we are praying that the brothers and sisters and mothers of Christ might be clearly seen, that that us in the family of God, that that might be obvious. Well, how is it obvious when we do his will? So when we say, Father, your will be done, we're praying, God, let it be obvious who are your children and let it be obvious that I am, that I'm one of your children. So when when you're doing God's will, you can know with certainty, I must be in the family of God. Why? Because otherwise I wouldn't do this. And it is Christ who says, if I do his will, I'm showing that I am his brother, sister, mother. Doing God's will next gives you confidence in your eternal life. Doing God's will gives you confidence in your eternal life. Jesus promises his disciples, as we know, that those who believe in him will never die. Why will they never die? Because they have eternal life, right? So they're never going to to die. Well, how do you know that you've got eternal life? How can you and I know that we will never die? Well, one of the ways the Bible says that we can have confidence that we too have life eternal is that we're doing the will of God, that that's actually a testament to us that, hey, you really are saved. Hey, God really has risen you from death to life. How do I know that? Because you're doing his will. We see this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So salvation, salvation isn't just about being people who say, Lord, Lord to Jesus, right? It's not, which sounds like. You know, the start of a modern praise course is Lord, Lord, just Lord over and over. Uh, it's not just people who say Lord, Lord to Christ. That's not all it is. Salvation isn't just about saying that, but about doing the will of the Father. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the promise Not for those who say, Lord, Lord, but for those who do the will of the Father. It is the promise to them. It is is those who do the Father's will who are in the kingdom of heaven. So again, when you say, Lord, you you might be able to say, Lord, in a way that is deeper and more true than anybody else that gets it, unlike these other sort of, you know, modern churches or false religions or whatever. You, when you say Lord, it might be packed with deep theological truth, but it doesn't matter how deeply, how richly you say Lord, if you are not doing the will of the Father, you have no reason to think that yours is the kingdom of heaven. Because it's not just those who say Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of the Father. And notice, look at where this is. Where is this found? Matthew chapter 7. So this is Matthew chapter 7. Where is Jesus saying this? On the Sermon on the Mount. 
So here we are. This is the, he's in the middle of the same sermon that we're, that he just gave us the Lord's prayer in, right? The Lord's prayer's in Matthew 6. Well, here we've got Matthew 7, just a little bit down from that. And what does Jesus say? So Matthew 6, pray that the Father's will would be done. And now, just moments later, just moments later, he says what? Now you do the will of the Father. That it is those who do the will of the Father that enter the Father's kingdom. So Matthew 6, he says, pray that the Lord's will be done. And then in Matthew 7, just a little bit later, he says, now you do the will of God. Do the will of the Father. Don't just have the Father's will be something that you're praying for others to do. Pray it, ask that the Lord's will would be done, and then do it. Do it. Because if you do, you will know that yours is the kingdom. We actually see the same thing in John. 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. What does it say? The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. 1 John 2, 17. world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. How do you know that you have eternal life? How do you know that you will live forever? What is John asking? What does John say? Do you do the will of God? Do you do the will of God? And again, that's a question you can answer. Because we know God's will. That's a question. When I ask, do you do God's will? You'll either know, yes, God tells me in his word what to do and I do it. Or you will be able to say, I know I put on the guise of Christianity. But when I see what God tells me to do, I don't listen. And if you're the one who says, look, I, I do see his will and I want to do it. Well, then take heart. Take heart that, that the one who does the will of God abides forever. I mean, are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you taking up the things that he tells you he wants to see in your life? Are you putting away the things that he says he hates? Then in doing that will of God for you, you can know that you have tasted eternal life, the eternal life that you have. That is the reason you will never die. That you will enter the kingdom of heaven. That you will abide forever. How can I know in a world that is so freaked out by death? That is scared, maskless by death. It's no idea what to do. You and I can know that we will live forever. That we will enter the kingdom of the Father. How can you get that confidence? In doing the will of God. You can look at your life and you can either say, I am doing his will, which means he must have created new life in me. Or you will look there and see nothing. See only an outward shell of saying, Lord, Lord. In which case, the first act of the will you need to do is to repent (laughs) and confess that Jesus is Lord. And cry out to him for salvation. But what I'm hoping in this group, what I know I will see in this group, is you're not going to be a bunch of people who are going to go around and say, all right, Chris, 
Yeah, we haven't done any of that stuff in the Bible. Uh, I mean, I know, I know enough of your lives. I've seen enough of it changed. I've seen your struggles to do what's right. I've seen your struggles. That this is not something, that you, this is in the scripture so that we can go, well, I'm not even sure if I do it. Uh, this is something that you can look at and say, yes, I have eternal life. Why? Because I am doing what my father has told me to do. I'm obeying his will. And being obedient, he is, he is causing me to walk in his ways. And as I grow, he's showing more and more the ways that I am to walk in. But I love his, I love his will. And I do his will. Because I've truly been saved. That's the confidence. When we're praying, your will be done, we're praying that we might see in ourselves the things that can bring us confidence in our eternity. When we pray, Father, your will be done, and we're thinking about how that applies to our own lives, we're saying, God, let me see in my life the things that will let me know I am truly yours, I'm truly in your family, that I'm your child, and that I have eternal life. And the doing of his will is the thing that he says can give us that confidence. So we can pray, Father, let your will be done. And we're tying that to our own lives and prayers for our own lives. Not just for the world out there that is so broken, but for ourselves, whom God has put together to pray that and to know that we'll be able to see that in our lives. That right now when I say that, the Spirit is giving you If you are his great confidence, you're thinking of all the ways your life has changed, all the things that you've either read this week or been convicted of this week and you're trying to do or doing. Take confidence, take hope in those things. Rejoice that you see them. That shows you're his. Shows you're a part of his family. Shows It shows that, that you have eternal life because you wouldn't be doing those things if you didn't. Which might explain why the Bible says this about why doing God's will is such a joy to the Christian. Next, doing God's will is a delight, a joy to the Christian. So as Christians, it's expected that we would obey. It's expected that we would do his will, that we would treat God like God, that, that Jesus isn't just called our Savior. He is called our, our Lord Obedience to God's will is a part of our salvation, as we saw earlier, an expectation, a duty. But as Christians, obedience to God's will is not forced upon us. We love to do the will of God. We love it. We want to do his will. Like when you read the Bible and you see what God is telling you to do, you're not, Christians don't look at that will of God and go, ugh, I don't want to do that. As Christians, we look at God's will and we actually delight in it. I mean, think about it. If doing his will did bring those things, if it did show us that we're truly his, if it did show us we belong to the family of God, if it did show us that we have eternal life, then we would long to have those confidences. We would want to know with certainty those things. And so the doing of God's will becomes a delight to the Christian. Look at Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. That as Christians, we delight to do God's will. That his law 
is within my heart. And again, I don't know that's necessarily saying that we've taken his law and sort of memorized it, so to speak. I think that could be part of it, uh, sort of Psalm 119 idea. I think a lot of this is also just a picture of what God says he does in Ezekiel 36 when he saves us. Or in Jeremiah, when he talks about giving us a new heart. Like, uh, what's, he, what's, he, what's he say there that it happens? That God writes his word on our hearts. That he causes us to, so here he's saying, look, I delight to do your will. Your will that I know, it's written on my heart that God has given us a new heart that then delights in the things of God, delights in the law of God, delights in his will. And again, since his will is found in his word, we see the, in, in the Bible, we see it say that the Christian delights not just in the will of God, but because the Christian delights in the will of God, they delight in the word of God. So Psalm 119, 24. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Now, this is, a great, this is a great passage for anyone who wants to know, how do I know the will of God? How can I find the will of God? Who do I need to ask? And as a, and as a pastor, some of you have, may have heard me just even give you this verse. When you're wanting to know what God's will is for your life, I say, you want to know the best counselor? God's word. You want to know what you need to do with your life? God's testimonies are our counselors. So what should we come with questions? What should I do, God? What is your will? Where, where, where should we turn in those situations? Turn to God's word. And then we delight in what it tells us. We see, so we want to know what should I do or should we turn when we want to know what should I do? What is God's will for me as a father? What is God's will for me as a mother? What is God's will for my family? We're making this big decision job-wise or location-wise or whatever. Well, the Bible lays out how you need to make all of those decisions. The principles that should guide all of them. And it's not going to be, well, I turned to, I opened my Bible and I turned to Isaiah 40 and the place where I was thinking about moving has 40 in the zip code. Like, that's not what I'm talking about uh, at all. But you can see in those, like, what sort of things drive a Christian in deciding to go from one place to another or one job to another or how to be as a, a son? Like, what does a good godly son look like? What is a what is a what is a godly friend look like? All of those things. What is what is God's will for this or that? Where do we turn? Turn to God's word. And this is my job as pastor. My job as pastor isn't to pontificate, you know, some sort of you know great deep truth that you could have never gotten on your own. You know what Zachary and I do as pastors? We go, hey, yeah, grab your Bible. Let's turn here. Hey, look at this verse. Hey, look at that verse. And I hope you've seen that in the you know almost decade and a half that, that we've been here is what, what do we do in that? We're just you're, in the end, you're not walking away going, wow, I had never thought of that before. Normally you walk away going, wow, how did I not see that? Right. How did I not see that in the Bible? Or wow, there were a bunch of verses uh, that, that I'm so glad he was able to point me toward because Zachary and I as pastors can shepherd you, but who is the counselor giving us the counsel and where you should go? It's God's word. And so if God's word is showing us what we should do, we then delight in God's word. We delight in his law. To delight in the word of God is to delight in the will of God. And to delight in doing the word is to delight in doing God's will. And look, I got to tell you, uh, there is a joy when, when I show you what the Bible says in your Christian lives and you say, yes, that's what I want to do. 
That's, that's how I want to look. Now, why is there a joy for me when I do, when that happens? Not because I can be like, yes, uh, but because, because I can see in you wanting to do the will of God. I see the very things that the Bible says can assure me these are really my children. This person has eternal life. This person that you love, you're going to get to love and be with forever. Because they're showing by their lives the things that show this is truly my child. They're delighting, delighting in my word. So when God writes his law on our hearts, when God, when God begins to save us, and he writes that word there. He then enslaves us to not just his law. He enslaves us to the doing of his will. But it is, it is as Romans 9 tells, it's a happy slavery, right? It enslaves us by enslaving our passions. So it doesn't enslave us kicking and screaming. When you enslave the heart, you get a very willful slave. The Christian loves doing what God says. They want to obey God. They love it when they obey God. I've never been in a situation where someone's like, I oh mean, why are you so sad? I've just been obeying God a lot. I don't really like it, you know. I mean, I've never been in that situation. What normally happens is people are excited when they're doing the will of God. They're rejoicing in it. No one ever does God's will and comes back and says, well, I wish I'd have chosen, you know, plan B. No one does that because the Christian delights in those things. This is what we see in Psalm 119, verse 32. Psalm 119, verse 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So Christians delight in God's word, which causes them to do God's word. But why do Christians delight in the word? Because God has written that word on their hearts. And as God grows their heart, as God grows their love for the law, their love for his will, Christians will do more of his will. They will not just walk in his commandments, they will run in them. And so when we as Christians pray, your will be done. And again, we're thinking about this prayer in our lives. There's this, there's this joyous hope, right? Like God, your will be done. And I'm thinking about my life and what that means. There's this hope that, that our life might be filled with the doing of God's will. There's, a, there's an expectation and an excitement because we know when I say your will be done, I know the one who is ultimately going to cause me to do his will. And it is God who is going to enlarge my heart. Who's wanting to give me that new heart. Who has given me that new heart. That loves his will. And then is going to enlarge that heart. So that I as a Christian will be running in his commandments. So when I pray father your will be done. And we're praying that. We are praying God enlarge my heart. Because doing your will is a delight to me. And if my heart gets bigger and that means I do more of your will, then God gives me an enlarged heart. And I do more and more of your will because it is my, it is my delight. So doing God's will defines the people of God, shows you're in the family of God, gives you confidence in your eternal life. It's a delight to the Christian. Doing God's will is also our purpose. Our purpose. First Peter chapter four, verse two. It says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. First Peter chapter four, verse two. 
So as of the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Here, Peter, he's talking about the benefits that, that, that can come to us even through suffering. That's sort of the context of what's going on. And, and one of those benefits is that suffering teaches us to no longer live for the flesh. It's silly to live for the flesh because suffering comes and the flesh isn't very happy, right? And that's a good lesson to us to learn, Peter says, because we're not supposed to be living for the flesh. What are we supposed to be living for? We're to be living not for the sake of our passions, not driven by them, not directed by them, not pursuing them. We're to be living not for our passions, no longer for in the flesh, no longer for human passions. We're to be living for the will of God. That's our purpose. To be living, not to, be, not to live for the human passions, but for the will of God. That, the will of God is what is supposed to drive us. It is what is supposed to direct us. That's what we're supposed to be pursuing. Our, what's your purpose in life? God's will. To live for God's will. You're, you, are not supposed, you are not supposed to be living for your kids. Right? And so you're not, you're not, they're not your purpose. You're not living for your spouse's sake. They are not your purpose. Your purpose in life is to live for the will of God. That's what you're here to do. That's your purpose as God's image bearer is to live for his will. So again, when we pray, your will be done, because, because that will is our purpose in life, we're praying that we might fulfill our purpose. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that, that God's will would be done in our lives because that's what we're here to do. You're here to live for his will. And so now that works itself out in different ways. It works itself out in how you are as a father. And so, yes, you need to be a certain type of father, not because being a good father is your purpose in life, but because being a good father is God's will for you as a Christian man. And so your purpose is to do God's will. And God says, this is what a Christian father looks like. And your purpose is to do his will. So that's what you must look like if you are truly his. But you want to be a good mother, a good wife, just because, you know, that's going to give me a, a, a good life or whatever. I know if I, if I don't want to rock the boat or do this or that, so I'll be this type of person. Look, you, want to, you need to be a good godly wife and a good godly mother. Why? Because that is your purpose. Not because those things are your purpose, but because God's will is your purpose. And he has told you, oh woman, what you are to be. How to be as a mother. How to be as a wife. He has told you his will, and if you are his, then your purpose in this world is to do his will. Not living for your own passions, not being the type of mom you want to be. This is the type of, you're tired of all this, you just want to be this type of mom. Or you want to be this type of husband. It's too hard to be that type of husband, so I'm going to be this type, but the rest of my Christian life is going to be really good. You don't get to do that. You're, you have one purpose in life. Your purpose is to live not for your passions, not how you want to live, but how God has told you how to live. And if you are his, that is what you will do because God's will is your purpose, which is great. It's so simple. What's my purpose in life? What am I here for? Do his will. 
Do his will. Well, what's his will? And he gives us a whole book of it. Big giant book filled with his will. And then he puts his spirit within us so that we can know it and long to do it. As Christians, what is your purpose? To do his will. So when you pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that prayer is, Father, help me to live my purpose rather than for my passions. Okay, so if God's will is our purpose, what we're supposed to be living for, then again, the next point is no surprise. If it's our purpose, then uh, it's not surprising that doing God's will is our Christian sustenance. It's our Christian food. Doing uh, the will of God is what gives us strength. It nourishes us. It is good for us. We see this uh, from Jesus' own life. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's, that's my food. My Christian food is to do his will. Jesus not, when Jesus says this, he's not, I mean, of all the sort of surprising things that Jesus said, right, that shocked them, even though it shouldn't have shocked them. This isn't something new here, nor is it something overly Christocentric. Like, we don't want to read this and be like, oh, that's what, that's Jesus's food, right? Maybe that's not my food. Maybe that's Jesus's food. What is, look at what Jesus says on another occasion. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. This is during his temptation in the wilderness. He shows us this isn't just true of him. This is true of everybody. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So doing God's will, the things in God's word, uh, that's what we're supposed to live on as Christians. What, what really all of humanity is designed to live on, our ultimate sustenance, our ultimate food, is not just bread. Right? That's, that's, that's the thi- you can see this when the world gets stirred up. They start to pursue all the things except the thing that is the most important thing, right? And so instead of worrying about, you know, when food shortages come or there's all these things and we start to worry, what should we really worry about is, is, is our lack of, the, of eating the, the word of God. That's our, that's our, should be our real worry. Because that's really what we're supposed to be living on. As Christians, we're designed to live on God's word. Doing God's will is our food. It's our strength. And so what happens is... Uh, when I, when I talk with someone or you're going through something, times are difficult and, 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 I, and you're wanting to do, you know, you're wanting to know what to do. You're wanting to know how to fix this. And, and I just say, you know, have you been, have you been reading God's word? You've been, have you been doing what the Bible tells you to do? Well, no. Is, is this the only area you're struggling? No. Also got this and this and this. Well, what normally happens is we haven't been doing the will of God in a lot of areas. We haven't been sustained by our obedience in so many other areas that, of course, we're weak. And then we come to this one area and we want to know why we're struggling here. We haven't been eating. We haven't been eating just in the general way of, of reading God's word. But we also haven't been eating in the idea of doing the simple things that we know we need to be doing. So we haven't. We haven't been taking up the food, our sustenance. And so, of course, we struggle. Look, Christians, you need to be, we want you to be fat and happy. But we want you to be fat and happy on doing the will of God. 
a happy Christian is not a Christian who just has everything okay in their life. It's not that just a Christian who's been richly blessed, you know. It's a Christian who, who, who is living in obedience to the will of the Father. There's no more joyous Christian than that. And there's no more miserable Christian than the one who, who is denying the will of their Father. And so Christian, eat. Find the sustenance that is doing the will of God. The, the, God's will is our Christian food. It's what gives us strength. Doing God's will, and, and we, we, we talked about this in the foundry, but doing God's will in the little things is what prepares you to do God's will in the big things. Some of you are wanting to know why you don't have strength to obey God's will in the big thing. It's because you've had a thousand little things in your life that you haven't done. A thousand little obediences that were meant to strengthen you for this big obedience. You want to know, why is my marriage messed up? Well, because there are a thousand little reps that you were supposed to do along the way. A thousand little reps to get you strong for what is going to be one of the greatest temptations in, in the world. Well, something that Satan is going to hate, which is a good godly Christian marriage. And you want to know, why am I struggling in this? And I go, I could probably look back at a thousand little things that you didn't do that are going to make it impossible for you to do this one big thing. God's will is supposed to sustain us so that we might be able to be obedient in the big things, in the difficult things. It's what nourishes us, what strengthens us. It is our sustenance. The good thing is, if you're wanting to fix your marriage, if you're wanting to fix your parenting, whatever it is, this big thing that seems broken, you don't have to eat the elephant. The answer is normally go back and start being obedient in the little things And that's how you'll build your strength up to handle this one big thing. So if you're wanting to be a good, godly Christian parent, it's not just figure out, figure out, ah, what do I need to do to fix this? Because there's probably in this, like all the, it's like a, looks like a jumble of, your family might look like a big pickup stick of problems, right? Just a jumble of things that you go, well, they got this and this and this and this, and this is messed up and this is messed up. And you look at it and you might be like, ah. If you go back and start being obedient in the little things, start doing the little aspects of God's will you know you're supposed to do. Start building up strength in doing his will. Start finding the the food, uh, the nourishment that's found in doing the will of God. It will strengthen you to be able to even know how to fix this jumbled mess. And it'll give you the strength to actually take care of it. But right now, you're not strong enough to take care of it. You're like that kid who's 135 pounds and goes, I want to be a linebacker. You know, and wants to step on the football team and be like, put me at middle, put me at Mike. I'm the Mike coach. Put me in the middle. And dude gets cleaned up. Why? Because he, he didn't put in the reps and the strength. Is we got we to spend time in God's will. We got to spend time in doing God's word. That's what's going to prepare us to, to handle the big things. But let that, let that also be ominous to you. If you're not handling the little things now, do not be shocked that when the big thing comes, you struggle. And you are weak because doing God's will in the little things over and over and over is what prepares you and strengthens you to be obedient in the big thing. And last, doing God's will is our Christ likeness. Doing God's will is our Christ likeness. Uh, we just saw that doing God's will is what Christ did. As you said, it was his food. It's what he lived on. With well, doing God's will if Jesus food was doing the will of God doing the will of the father then the will of the father is what we must do like we saw in 1 John 2 6 whoever says he abides in him 1 John 2 6 whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked well doing the father's will is how Jesus walked 
And so it's how we must walk. So when we pray, your will be done, we are praying, Father, help me to walk like Christ. And you might think of all these ways that you can be like Christ. The defining trait for Christ that you can know, though, is you are doing his will. That was Christ's food. May it be our food. May we pray that the Father sustains us, that he feeds us, that he grows our hearts, that we might be obedient to his word and that we might do his will. Let's pray. And just take a moment now and think about, think about doing God's will in your own life. And Christian, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest in, in two ways. If there are things that you are not doing that you should be doing, then, then listen to Ezra and confess and do the will of God. And so what I want to say, I, one of, the, one of the, the bad things about our time in here is we can confess all day long. And all of us can confess, I've been a poor husband, I've been a poor wife, I've been a poor father, I've been a poor mother, I've been a poor church member, I've been a poor whatever. Don't just confess, confess and do. And if you need to pray, God, enlarge my heart so that I might do, then pray right now, God, enlarge my heart. Because apparently I don't have the strength to do this thing that I know clearly you have told me to do. And if I'm not running in your commandments, my problem is that I don't love your will enough. So God, help me to love your will. You who even made me desire it in the first place. You made me delight in it to begin with because I hated it. My natural self hated it. But I love it, Lord, and I want to do it. Well, then how? How's it going to happen? Father, you sustain me, strengthen me, grow me. So that I might do. And that as I do, I might know that I am truly yours. That I am in the family that I have eternal life. Why? Because I am doing my God's will just as my Christ did. And I walk as he walked, which means he must have changed my heart. He must have taken me from the kingdom of darkness and I must be in the kingdom of the sun because I walk like the sun. Pray. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life as it was purposed to be. Father, that is our prayer, that your will would be done here among us and by us because we are your children because we are your people, because we have true eternal life living in us, because it is our purpose, because it is our delight, because doing your will is our food, and because doing your will is what our Christ did. And so we will walk in it, Father, and we pray that you would enlarge our hearts so that we as a church would run in your commandments in the little things, 
and in the big things. Oh, by the strength you give, the life you give, the heart you give, the joy you give, that we might do your will as we were created to do. It is in Christ's name that we know we can do this. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.